you're about to listen to Brittle Star's really great podcast. The really great podcast is fueled by our well-caffeinated friends at Club Coffee. It's a it's kind of a misnomer because there's no actual club to join. They just they make like they they make coffee. There's no club, so don't don't get your hopes up. They make delicious compostable coffee pods that you can find at retailers across Canada, like Loblaws, Amazon, and Costco. And they're Canadian too, eh? If you're not into coffee, sorry. Okay. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name is Tanya Tarak, and I do a lot of things. And I think I might be okay at a few of them. Uh, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's a very that's a very classic artist answer. I think. You know, it's Perhaps. like it's it's yeah. It's 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 sort of like I always find it interesting asking that question because. Some people get really introspective. Some people get uh, like panic a little bit. I used to, I mean, I hate getting asked, what do you do? If people don't like, don't look at me and go, oh, you're that idiot that makes videos on the internet. And I have to explain what I do. That's the worst. Mm -hmm. Do you feel the same at all? Uh, no, no, I don't. I don't mind uh, so, so much talking about what I do. It's just that uh, I sometimes feel a little fraudulent because these things that I do just seem to happen and they seem to be right. naturally occurring. So, and it, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't like yesterday I tried to make macaroons. We didn't have, we didn't have any coconut <laughs> and I just was like, Oh, like, fuck it. We'll try it with some rice and it failed miserably. Yeah. And sometimes you add the ingredient in, to your cooking thinking it's going to be good and it's not. And I think that's kind of how any of my artwork goes too. There's a lot that doesn't get released and a lot that doesn't get put up, put out there because I, I don't feel it's up to standard. So right. Yeah. I, I do. I, I like to write. I like to make music. I like mm -hmm. the visual arts. I like cooking um, uh, I love to sing. These are kind of the things that I, I do. But it's w such a funny question because it's like, well, what do you do? Is it what do you do to make money or what do you do to stay happy or what do you do to help yourself out? What do you do to help others out? It's a complicated question and usually people are asking, I know. What, you, what do you do to make money? <laughs> well, that's usually it, right? That's usually kind of the the idea of, of like, what do you do? It's like, what do you do? How how can you afford to be here? Is basically the question, right? People ask, and I hate it. I can't stand it. I have to tell you though that um, right before uh, I you came online here to chat, uh, I said to my wife Shannon, I was like, oh. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. I'm just about to. That's me texting, by the way. That that noise is how I text. Uh, I'm just about to go uh, chat with uh, with Tanya, and uh, she said to me, "Don't let her make you cry." <laughs> oh, in a good way or in a bad way? I don't know. She didn't specify, but I think that's because <laughs> I I was I've been you know I've, we've been we've been chatting about you, and um, I think I think you might be the. I mean, it's your voice betrays this, like your speaking voice. Um, but I think you might be the most badass punk rock rock star currently. 
Oh. And see, the giggle didn't help. The giggle wasn't very tough at all. You can't do giggle oh. after I said it because people are like, this guy's so off the mark. Oh, uh, no. It's it's difficult. Uh, it's I think it's a cultural thing as well. Mm-hmm. In, uh, mm-hmm. Inuit, we really pride ourselves in kind of, I mean, I can't speak for all Inuit, but for, for remaining sure. calm and for being able to yeah. articulate ourselves without... Uh, without showing too much and that's just part of the cultural thing like my mother she was a little bit taken aghast when she found out I made noise while I was giving birth you know so (laughs) it's it's a bit of a thing uh I don't uh on Twitter especially I'm always kind of giggling as I I'm never screaming unless it's about something serious then it's not a yell it's a sadness. There's a profound sadness in the way the world goes. Uh, and there is anger at perpetrators. But generally, like, this is how I speak. I have a very calm home. I have a mm-hmm. wonderful, safe, calm home. And I love that about my life. But it's just I've learned to separate the two. If, you, if I get on stage or if somebody um, was threatening me or my family Mm. then yes i'm absolutely terrifying and i will hurt you it's just (laughs) i have to be see that's it that's it that's what i was going for is because that's the thing is i I think that's what i was trying to get it with the like the most punk rock uh badass currently i think it's because there's like like listening to your new album which is amazing. And like sonically, it's amazing, which is fantastic Thank and interesting. You. I think there's very few sort of sonically interesting uh, releases currently. Uh, lots of good music, but lots of not very f- many sonically ones, interesting ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, one of the quality, I was like trying to quantify, I was like, what? Because I remember I tweeted at you and I was like, at some point, I was like, uh, the new stuff's great, it's terrifying. But I was like, oh, terrifying is not the right word. I mean, it is kind of terrifying, but it's like there's like a there's like a really like a massive amount of power in it. There's like an unnerving mm-hmm. confidence and unnerving power to it. Is that what you're talking about as far as like channeling like, you know, upset or anger or whatever? Is it, is it sort of come through that way? Um, It's difficult to it's, it's very difficult to explain, you know, the dichotomy between those two things, because. It's always uh, good to be a protector. I really mm-hmm. love protecting my family, um, my my friends, and I don't like being crossed. And the thing is, when you grow up in Nunavut, it's sometimes difficult down here in the south because people will cross you, and there there isn't uh, repercussions and. For some reason, that seems to leave a wide margin of error for a bunch of assholes to just fuck mm-hmm. around, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's just way too much of that. <laughs> um, uh, so so I try to stay away from the cities as much as I can, especially during the pandemic. I'm out in mm-hmm. nature now, which is nice. But the the calmness comes from, I think, spending a lot of time on the land where I grew up. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. absolutely gorgeous up in the north. Uh, and that's a problem I have sometimes, trying to elicit uh, society changes by 
uh, highlighting the awful statistics that we live with um, is that often there isn't a, a reminder to of the deepest uh, wisdoms, intelligences, and celebrations of us in our culture and in our way of being, how we live, how we love our children. And I think it's really important that we celebrate our cultures as much as we take the time to support each other and uh, educate people as well. It's interesting from from like my perspective, because, of course, I'm, you know, it, things have not been that hard for white middle aged dudes. It's I'll give, be honest with you. It's been pretty. Mm-hmm. It's been pretty easy. Um, I'm married but to I mean, one, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, we fail upward. It's good, um, and it's <laughs> it's. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say that to him later. <laughs> <laughs> but what's interesting is like you know talking to other artists who are people of color, minorities, whatever that are not white. Essentially, is what I'm trying to say is that mm-hmm. there's like this. Sometimes there's this like assumed responsibility to i don't know to to your culture to your background to your ethnicity i mean and i always think that just sounds horrible i think i mean in a a sense i mean not horrible meaning like how terrible would that be that you have to do that but meaning that sounds like a burden do you ever feel that way at all i don't we don't have to dwell on this either this is sort of getting heavy but is it oh no it's fine i'm i'm uh i'm used to i'm used to interviews and if there's, I have very good boundaries. So if there's a question I don't like, I'll just ask to pass. Don't worry about me. Um, it is not a burden. It's an honor as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned. It's an absolute honor. And anything I can do to help anybody just helps me feel like a good person. And if you feel like a good person, then you can make better decisions every day. So... It is not a burden for me. And, and there are many, many artists that do not... Uh, so all of society has to realize that people of color do not have to be involved in um, racially charged issues. It's just when it's so obvious and the hypocrisies are so glaring and if that's what you choose to speak about then that's a good thing. But if you choose to honor yourself and celebrate and um, focus on um, other things like pure fun or mm-hmm. pure expressions or the universal u- universal universality, what is how would you say universality? Universal <laughs> universality, I think. Yeah, <laughs> universality of humanity. Like then. Of course, everybody can write a good uh, breakup song or a good song about losing your parents or a, a song about having children or having pets or loving your siblings or having no siblings. Like, There's a lot of universal human experience to be expressed as well. So to answer your question, I do not see it as a burden. I do not see it as an obligation. I see it and use it to help me to process my own grief, to process my own sense of injustice, which has always been strong for me. I've always wanted um, to see things be fair, 
I've always wanted to see people thrive. And it's just, I've naturally been this way. Like in the 80s at home in Nunavut, there was a, uh, because of, a lot of people are very Christian because Christianity was forced on us. Um, right. People didn't accept gay couples very much when I was young. So there I was, you know, just a kid talking about gay rights in my teen years at home. So it's just kind of, I was always the kid that got kicked out of class. I was always in detention. I was always separated from my friends. I've always been a loud mouth. I've always been weird. So if I can, <laughs> if I can use that, if I can use that for good, then off we go. Oh. And I was a, very weird kid. Like uh, I'd go to school with. <laughs> I'd go to school. <laughs> this is a weird thing to be telling you, but I feel like this is the place. I'd go to. I'd go to school sometimes, and I'd take a pair of nylons and an orange, and I'd stuff the orange into the bottom of the foot, and then put the whole nylon <laughs> onto my head and use uh, is it centrifugal force to make the orange go around <laughs> and my face would like I'd do it when the teacher wasn't looking and my face would be squished all over the place and the just getting the distracting the kids and being a real ham. You would have you I want to clarify this. You would have like the nylon right over your face like you're about to rob a bank. Except yeah, with like- an orange in the foot and then you would whip your head around. <laughs> Like a helicopter. Yeah, that was just a kind of a trick. I think, every, didn't every kid do that? <laughs> I thought every kid did that. <laughs> but just little things. Like there were parts, like I, I wrote a book uh, called Split Tooth. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of parts of the book where it happened. Like where a lot of that stuff happened. And right. I guess you have a, a lot of freedom growing up. And this is one of the things that makes me sad living in the South is that I can't just tell my girl who's nine to go to the park on her own. You know, right. like that's that's very sad because I have a firm, firm belief that most of the people in the world, like say if she fell down and scraped her knee, that a many vast majority of the people would run over and ask how she's doing and made sure she's sure. at home. Like there's a lot of good people on this planet. It's just... We tend to uh, fear, fear so much uh, somebody harming our child. And that's, I'm really lucky to have grown up in a small community where mm-hmm. people still help each other out. It's funny. It's, you know, obviously not the same thing as, as none of it, but uh, the small town aspect is really, I mean, that's always been something that growing up I hated. Like growing up in Stratford, which is where mm-hmm. I, I am currently, and I was born and raised here, it was like a town of like twenty six thousand or something at the time. And I, I mean, everybody you'd grow up with would be like, "I can't wait to get out of here. I want to go to Toronto. Well, I want to go to <laughs> Vancouver. I want to go to New York, or and all that kind of stuff." And uh, and I remember vividly when we were deciding, myself and Shannon, we we're like, well, "We want to have kids, and where do you want to raise them?" And Shannon was like, "Well, we could go back to Stratford. We were living in uh, Scotland at the time." And we could go back to Stratford. And I was like, ah, I mean, it's a small town. So like everybody knows you growing up. And 
then I paused and I was like, but it's a small town and everyone knows you when you're growing up. So there's like that weird accountability, right? Yeah. And I also explained that it was super hard to get served underage at the bars as well, because uh, <laughs> the bartenders would know your parents. I'd go in and try to serve and they'd be like, no, your mom and dad were just out of here, man. You can't have a beer. Sorry, get out of here. Um, I want to ask you about your uh, about your teen years. What were like just listening to the music you're creating and you've created? I mean, obviously you're doing uh, Inuit throat singing, which is amazing. And you've kind of incorporated that into this like contemporary uh, alternative. I don't know how you want to describe it, but it's just this cool sound, as I said, sort of sonically amazing. And what were you listening to as a, as a teen? Like what were, what were your oh. influences in that regard? <laughs> well, my parents, uh, I wonder if my dad would be so mad if I said this, but like he used to grow pot and like, you know, listen to Pink Floyd and, you know, Jimi Hendrix and all of that. And I remember I came home from school once and he had lined up the house plants. Like my mom, my mom grows a lot of house plants <laughs> and he lined them up from the TV to his chair and he was watching Apocalypse Now on full blast. <laughs> 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 like, oh so he was a really he's a big music lover we always had music on in the house my yeah. grandmother on my mother's side um extremely talented musician like she never spoke english but she could mm -hmm. hear a beatles song once and then just sing it yeah and so there was a lot of music in the house and then of course you know 1985 comes around and I spend a lot of my teen years like headbanging like metal oh, yeah. and hair bands and yep yeah I, there was a lot of that when I was young we had a lip sync group called the parkas <laughs> like, come mostly, on man mostly motorhead <laughs> so it, yeah it was uh come on <laughs> really <laughs> It's like if you were and writing now, that setup, people would be like, nah, it's too on the nose, man. You can't do that. That's perfect. <laughs> the parkas, all oh, my friends would be laughing if uh if they heard this. Uh yeah, so I grew up with a lot of aggressive music, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Um which which I really like. It it suits the environment the where I was raised, where I'm very, very proud and happy to be where I'm from. And it was much like you were like, oh, the shit town, can't wait to get yeah. out of boring town. Yeah. But you look back and you go, thank goodness, because um, I just, it grounded me a lot to be home from a place like that where you can just go out on the tundra. Within five minutes of walking, you can be out on the tundra pretty much anywhere in town, five, ten minutes Mm -hmm. And you can just see everything that is there. There's no roads out that to another town. Some roads go to a few places, but um, not towns. And you can only get there by jet. So you can go to places where you're not sure if a human has ever stepped before, ever trodden. Amazing. So you're sitting there and you're watching the big sky and you're watching animals you know, heard a muskox going by or watching foxes, just anything. And you know, you're just part of that. 
you know that you are firmly attached to the ground by gravity and that we are all witnessing it together, you know, the, and that we're not above animals and we're not above the earth. We're not on top of anything. Like no matter how hard humanity tries, we aren't above nature and never will be. So I'm very lucky to have grown up there. And just to have that intimacy and the friendships where I find here people are really, you know, it's easy to have friends come and go, but up there we kind of learn how to, number one, this is an important one, but I'm most thankful for growing up there, is it's, it was such a small town that everybody knew who you were. Like you could not hide your your flaws. You If you did something, everyone knew it. So you couldn't pretend to be this person that you were not. There's, <laughs> you know, like, yes, you've got that nice suit on, but we saw you last weekend, you know, passed out yeah. by the garbage can, you know, or whatever, you know, like, it's, it's, <laughs> you, you can't pretend. And I'm really thankful for that because all that pretending to be something you're not seems awfully tiring. It's, it's, I think you know, that growing up in a smaller community, the impact that, well, a couple of things that strike me. One is that I think, you know, just Canada in general, when you go through January and February, almost anywhere in Canada, um, it's, it can be, you know, dark and, and it can be feel desolate and all that kind of stuff. And that kind of gives rise to like a, an appreciation for like an inward quality to me. And, mm. I th- I think also with that notion of when you live in a big city, I think you you have your nose pressed so close to the canvas that you can't appreciate the fact that you're part of this bigger painting. Wow, that was a really arty way to say that. I didn't mean to be that arty. Mm-hmm. Um, but that notion where uh, you're you know you feel like everything's super important, like the microscopic things, the microscopic you know stuff that you do every day, interactions and stuff is mm. super important. But then when you go to these other places, like even for us. If we head out into, you know, the countryside here or something like that, you sort of get this notion like, oh, wow, I'm really not that important. And I always find that as well, like when you go, whenever I get a chance to go to, I don't know, like the mountains or something and and just that notion of like, okay, like I we are just like part of this and not really on top of anything, as you said, like we're just sort of, you know, we're lucky that we're here and we should probably just be nice to each other and try to enjoy it. That's basically it. Well, I mean, that's difficult too because it, when I'm down here in Ontario, like I really wonder this this land is not my land. My land is up home in Nunavut and no matter who you are up in Nunavut, you must obey the um the elements and it's a small amount of people. I think it's over 90 million square kilometers with uh, around 50,000 people living on it. So down here, it gets much more complicated. And my heart really goes out to the Anishinaabe population, Mohawk populations, you know, uh, the, the people that live around here, because it's really beautiful land. And I've been looking a little bit at at, uh, the treaty systems around here and how huge the Slavs, the original treaties in the constitution 
are and how little of how that's been chipped away to the point where it's just such small pieces of land. Mm-hmm. And it's sad to me that uh, the average Canadian is not aware of what happened with the constitutions and what's going on with the treaty rights. And what's really important, I think, for people to understand is that there has been a big lack of education, of course, in the school system and everywhere else about it. But that's been on purpose because... The government does not want to be held accountable and does not want to honor those treaties because, you know, capitalism. And Mm -hmm. I just would love to see the peoples from around here have more access to their own land and to have people uh, recognize the treaties and do the work to start to honor them. And it'd be really good if you guys could do your part. You do a great job, by the way. Thank you. You no, do a wonderful you. job. You do a wonderful job educating people, and it makes me really happy. You're very good. You're joyous. You're you're an excellent communicator. It would be really lovely, and is really lovely, when people take responsibility to educate their own people, so that we don't have to carry so much of the burden. I think that's probably not probably that's very astute and I think that notion of we talked about earlier where you feel like you have this this burden and you do have this burden to kind of carry forward and really it's I think it you know from the other side of it as again as like this sort of white middle-aged dude you sort of get awoken to these things and it sounds really selfish to say that in a sense but it's like you're you you are you have been intentionally not told things you've been intentionally not uh, made aware of things so it's it's I think for a lot of people it's sort of like it's quite daunting. It's like oh god, the whole thing's a sham. Like this, what how how do we get here? Um, but I think the you know I think it's super important to first of all I think my whole point of what I do and I appreciate you saying all those kind things and it was lovely and and really that's payment enough for for uh, for everything that if I can just send you a cake now that seems fair. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I think my role has always been essentially demonstrate to other, you know, white middle-aged dudes that it's okay. It's all right. Like, it's we're going to just try to be fair to everybody. That's all we're going to try to do is just try to be nice to everybody. And you don't have to panic. It's like, you know, no one's coming for your cargo shorts. You'll still get to wear them. It's fine. But yeah. let's learn about this. Let's do this stuff and all that kind of thing. So, I mean, if mm-hmm. I can play a part, and, that's pretty good. Yeah. And and I like that idea of reversing the burden. Like, no, the burden isn't on me. Like, how about you guys carry some? And, mm-hmm. y- you know, if everybody does a little bit, then it's, it's a step forward. And uh, then you can get the group consciousness of Canada if 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 we can mm-hmm. come together more then that that's how we'll end up with legislation changes cuz we want to believe or you want to believe you're good inside and these are the types of things like i can't take off these issues like a backpack and put them down yeah. or pick them up so it's it's kind of like it it you choosing to pick up that backpack and yes it's heavy but I know you can put it down after dinner. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to feel bad for you to, you know, ask you to carry some of this burden. You know? I think that's really well put. And that's, that's perfectly put. 
Two more questions. One question is, what's the what's the dream project for you? Oh, well, I mean, we've got a lot in the works already. It's kind of shifted, to be honest, um, since COVID, because I toured really extensively for 20 years. And mm-hmm. once I stopped and I was in one spot, I really realized how much I had missed out on running mm-hmm. to catch that airplane and running to do this. And it, it kept me very busy getting on an airplane once every other week or something. So it was great just to stop. And now I'm, uh, now I'm getting ready. Now I'm going, okay, this has been enough of a rest. I'd love to do some really good concerts, like where mm-hmm. I take everything that I'm interested in, like installation art and video work mm-hmm. and all the genres and kind of come up with something that um, is very, very sticky and visceral and have that happen in theaters. But what about uh, introspective stuff? I'd love to do some more writing and then I'd love to illustrate the writing on my own, that kind of thing. And more... Um, curating i'd love to curate more ideas and i'd like to do more work outdoors and just go go inside like a little mouse i'm really into that right now it's feeling good is that something that you had to grow into or like when the pandemic initially hit and it seemed like I, we were talking about this as well myself and shannon saying about how uh the beginning of the pandemic it kind of felt a little easier in a sense because it kind of felt like well everybody's everybody's kind of hunkered down but then there was like this immediate push of like people saying oh well you know and during the plague shakespeare wrote king lear you're like screw off i'm not i'm not gonna write a play well did you feel any of that pressure though does you like i mean i felt the pressure like well you better start creating you better start you know producing content Oh, I felt zero pressure. And the pandemic has been very, very, very hard on people. And it's interesting to me, like some people are able to take it. Some people are not able to take it. And um, important things I've been thinking about a lot is uh, I have a very supportive husband. He's a wonderful man. And I have a great family. I just think a lot about People, in particular women, who are stuck in abusive relationships during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. That's something I think about every single day, thinking there's no way out in those situations. So, yes, I had a physically difficult time, but I think about people that are going through emotional duress, uh, physically difficult in other ways. I think about how this pressure has affected unstable people or people that are having difficulties and it's just the pandemic has made me want to help more than ever and whatever I can do to make things easier for anyone whatever I can give uh, if my work helps that's wonderful if uh, this helps that's great if you know, it's. I feel strangely like you're my friend, even though we've only ever uh, had Twitter banter. <laughs> and uh, maybe we should get some matching tattoos. <laughs> that was our last conversation. Our last conversation on Twitter was about tattoos. I'm not allowed to get tattoos. My my father has two tattoos. He has one on his yeah. left forearm. I think it's left forearm. 
and it was for his uh, girlfriend before my mom. And then they broke up. And when my mom started going out with him, she was like, you have to get a tattoo exactly like that on your other arm, except my name on it and black out <laughs> the other girl's name. So my dad has two matching tattoos, one with a blacked out, like with the birds carrying the banner. You know what I mean? Like classic yeah. sort of tattoo, except it's just a blacked out banner. And then the other one's identical, except the birds. And it says bet, which is my mom's name. <laughs> That's amazing. So, oh, so that's the, ever since I was a kid, my dad was like, no, don't do it. It's not worth it. Because what if you break up with her? Then you just got to get the matching tattoo. You'll run out of spots in your body. That's it. Um, it's so, well, it depends on how many people you're with, I guess. <laughs> on your podcast, I just wanted to say how to say my name. Um, yeah. So it's like a yeah. it's like a like a glottal sort of the way the back of the throat yeah. thing. Uh, yeah, it's a very soft G, and uh, I mean, don't don't no pressure. It's just I realized that for twenty years I was allowing people to mispronounce my name no. just out of con- convenience, right? Like I just didn't want to take the time to correct people, but I'm realizing now that uh, it's okay for me to want people to say my name. That seems fair. When the internet first started a long time ago, and um, there's been so much backlash to my music and political stances that how I've learned to take the internet is if you were standing in Grand Central Station and it was full, how many people do you think you would really be comfortable having a (laughs) full-on friendship with? And it turns out, you know, you, you'd probably be acquaintances, for, for me, like a little less than half, but there might be five good friends in there, maybe, really yeah. good ones. So why, if you look at that amount of people and you, you go, I probably like five, truly like five people, why on earth would you take the entire internet and expect people to like you or for you to like them? You have to take it like the Grand Central Station, like a lot of people you're not going to see eye to eye with. And I spent many years being too nice to those people. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. there's a reason I have an edge on Twitter. Um, I posted a picture of my daughter uh, on the ice with a seal that was, or not on the ice, uh, on on the beach with the seal. And... These crazy people. I, I I did not know there was such a huge um, anti-seal movement. I mm. really, I was quite naive. And I had no idea that... The reason it never occurred to me is because have humans actually forgotten that their pastrami used to walk around? <laughs> I think they forgot. <laughs> I, I, I think they actually forgot. Because I, I was just going, there's McDonald's everywhere. There's no way that people can be upset about us living off the land. Like, yeah. I, anyway, I was so wrong. And people went bonkers, malonkers. And this one crazy man photoshopped my daughter bloody on the ice. And they had this petition to take my kids away. It was all so insane. So that's crazy. Now, I know it's just, but, but, you know, it, it really got me used to Twitter. So mm-hmm. now 
now anybody can say anything to me on Twitter or I can say anything to anyone. And it's actually, I really love that medium because I do have a very uh, shy side. So when you introduce the visual, like on Instagram, I get a little bit shy Mm -hmm. about it, but Twitter is only my brain. So I -hmm. can be, I can say what I think and not be judged at how I look, which is a five foot one, nice, nice, friendly looking middle-aged lady. I, and that's mm-hmm. how I sound. That's my voice. I can't help my voice. I can't help my speaking voice. And so I walk around and I get really happy when I meet people and they don't know who I am and get so underestimated. It's great. <laughs> you know? See? That's exactly the start of the conversation we talked about. This sort of this whole sort of like uh, this sort of um, slightly menacing uh, sort of you know you sort of lull people in, you lull them in, and then it's like so powerful, which is so cool. I mean, you're just so cool in general. You're, that's it. I mean, you're incredibly cool. I'm only I'm only scary if I'm crossed. And you know what? To be completely honest, once I love you. I'm an incredibly vulnerable person. Um, that's why I've got that big, that big uh, layer up. It's to protect myself, right? But I'm a, I'm a very, uh, yeah, I'll hurt you, but you gotta d- really deserve it. And <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. That's the power that you have, though, is that you can go, yeah, I'll hurt you. You just can't say that. I mean, you can. You can totally say that. But people just generally don't say that. And I think that's the part that everyone sort of like, maybe the cultural thing you're saying, people are like, oh, oh, God, which I think is really cool. But it makes you very, very punk rock to me, which I, I really, really, not oh. that saying that, you know, it's just super punk rock. It's kind of like, yeah, we can go have a drink. Or if you want, I can pound your face in. What would you like? Uh, you know. <laughs> well, anyway. Inuit must be punk, then. I don't know. It's just kind of a uh, people are people don't disrespect up there unless they want something to happen. So it's mm-hmm. really genuine. Like my husband was shocked when he came up to Nunavut. He was like, "Everyone is so loving and calm." And I go, "Yeah, like that's what happens if there's repercussions to being a total piece of shit." <laughs> <laughs> You know, so it's, it, and, and you just, it's, it's okay until it's not. Um, and sometimes I have a hard, have a hard time in Toronto because people will cross me. And of course I'm mm. not allowed to do anything, but right. uh, that's, that's another, uh, and that's very interesting what I wanted to talk to you about because uh, my husband it has we met when I was only 20 years old. We were just mm-hmm. kids. And we've been friends. We were friends uh, and we didn't hook up. Well, we had an affair once when we were in our 20s, but we didn't hook up until we were in our 40s. And my husband, who is a middle-aged white man like you now, and mm-hmm. he, uh, it's been a massive learning experience for him. Like he can't believe how differently I am treated than he is out when we are out yeah. in public. He can't. He it, he is blown away. His life has changed. The glasses have been completely ripped off. He's a completely different person than when we met because he now bears witness to 
the the massive difference in our lives mm-hmm. and how we're treated. It's very interesting to him, and it's nice to have his support. But being married to him, sometimes it's it's just like having a armor on. Like he nobody right crosses him. Nobody bothers him. Nobody crosses yeah. him. No one tells him what to do. And he he you know that and then when this whole Karen's thing Karen thing started <laughs> happening, he he was like, I would never have really jumped on this unless I saw it. Like one time we were at the airport and um he left to go get something and while I was sitting in this restaurant like area and all every table was free. Every single mm-hmm. table, like there were, there was room for fifty people, mm-hmm. and um, I was just sitting in one, occupying one table. And this very, it's always this nice-looking, well-dressed older white woman that looks just looks <laughs> like she'd bake you a pie. They yeah. really like to wait till we're alone. Um, she came up to me and she's like, "You have to move. My family's coming." My family's on there where you have to move over there. And I was so tired and jet lagged and yeah, yeah. And so I moved and, um, Mike showed up and he's, he goes, Oh, why'd you move? And I said, well, that woman told me I had to. (laughs) And he, he looked at her and she turned beet red. She knew she didn't have anyone with her. She turned beet red and just stared at the ground. And she was so mean to me. And yeah. this is the thing, it's like the Karens, I've been grabbed on airplanes, I've been bossed around, they just tell you what to do. And it's like, as soon as you guys aren't looking too, it's just like secret sure. Karen. And I don't know why they do it. And uh, I I mean, I do, they, they just are exerting their power in, mm. in a world of powerlessness, I guess. But it's just so... It was very eye-opening to him. So I'm very happy that they t- coined the term Karen. Mm-hmm. And what's really funny is that the far right always takes the terms. And I myself has been called a Karen by so many far right <laughs> people. I'm like, I don't know if you're using that correctly, but uh, okay. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't been called a Karen. I've been called a lot of things. There's been a lot of different creative names for me. And it usually just focuses on the fact that uh, I'm overweight. That's basically it. That's that's what it usually focuses on. So I find fun. that so funny. I find it really funny when people think the worst thing you can do I is know. have a body. You, like you I, shouldn't yeah. have a body. You shouldn't have You're well body. fed and content. Oh no. <laughs> Well, one thing that always blows my mind, too, is this, like, poking at, like, uh, yeah, I get called fat, I get called everything, too, but it's like, okay, you're saying I'm not attractive to you, but that would only hurt if I wanted to fuck you. Yeah. You know? (laughs) And I guarantee you, you don't have a chance. It doesn't bother me. And we're not there. Yeah. We're not there. We're not at that point. Yeah, exactly. My view of like the people on the internet is just kind of like, you don't have to dance with everyone who asks. Yeah. We're allowed to say no and we don't owe anyone an explanation. And exactly. It's those freedoms. But I'm uh, speaking on socials though. I have to say that I'm really love social media and mm-hmm. I love I love just being able to connect with people and mostly I just love the jokes and that's mm-hmm. what I mean about Twitter. It doesn't matter how bad the day is if you just throw a joke out like people are so 
need need a laugh. We all need a laugh. So it's really nice to be able to just watch those jokes morph into something insane over the course of the day. It's so great. And just being able to be in touch with my family and friends. I have a daughter living in Spain right now. Mm-hmm. She has COVID. Oh, that's another good. I'm telling you all personal things I don't ever oh, tell good. anyone, and I don't know why. Um, I got pregnant from a man that uh, I I couldn't even. He couldn't speak English, and I couldn't speak Spanish. And you can imagine, like I had, I was pregnant, and I didn't know what to do, and I had to go in the Spanish English dictionary to tell him I was knocked up and. <laughs> I just threw caution into the wind and I was like, fuck it. I'm going to move to the Basque country with this guy. And uh, I gave birth over there. Like I couldn't understand the doctors and nurses. It was kind of scary, but I did it. And uh, we've got this beautiful girl. Uh, Her name is Naya. She's 18 now. Amazing. Amazing. She's over there with them. They have COVID again right now, which is kind of bad. Uh, but she's she's a kid and she 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 goes <coughs> twice and she's fine. But uh, <laughs> you know, kids they can just bounce right back from anything. Uh, but yeah, it's been really good to be able to connect with people like you and uh, introduce myself to people and be introduced to people just by humor or by. Uh, politics we can find each other in a community mm-hmm. online and and goodness knows you know when you're not locked down with your partner for two years um i i don't even like to hang out with myself for this long <laughs> let alone someone else and it's just this really funny thing we were newly weds but it's like we've just escalated to that point of like do you have to breathe so loud <laughs> do you know how loud you're breathing and it's very funny so we, we take space from each other when that happens we're really fortunate that we know how to do that but it's I would love a break from me. And I think that's what those concerts were like. And I hope someday you'll be able to come to one of my live shows. Yeah, so. I'd love to. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it'll, it'll happen. It'll happen. It it'll be amazing. I have one more question for you. My question is this. Give me a really great tip. Hmm. Um, when your children are small... Like about three, two or three, and they're whining for something. I want it. If you say to them, "Oh, my ears hurt. I can't understand you. Can you say, can you talk like mummy? Can you say it like me?" And they'll go, "I want that candy." And then you give it to them when they're not whining then your kids and you be consistent and you talk to them like that when they're whining, then you won't have whiny children. That's, That's my a solid tip. tip. That's a solid it, tip. Yeah. You pretend your ears hurt or that you can't hear them when they're like yeah. that or that and let them know they're not going to get what they want if they're whining and it works. Really I think it could, it would, it could, it could apply across the board as well. Beyond just kids, it probably applies everywhere. 
Yeah. May right? I should tell my husband to try it on me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad he likes great, big, strong-minded women. He's uh, he's good at that. <laughs> It's it's a uh, I mean it's it's not exactly a curse. It's not a burden for him to carry that. That's all right. That's good. No, it took some adjusting and I had to get used to a more uh gentle man. You right. know? That right. so that was that was interesting too, but we're 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 making it work. We haven't uh we still like each other, which is really crazy to me after a couple of years. So I think we're doing okay. And it's so funny. Like when people break up in COVID, it's like, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, it's not like before. <laughs> no one's it's surprised. Yeah, where you're like, oh no, what happened? It's like, no one needs the what happened anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hey, listen, I'm going to finish up there. So thank you so much for your time and it's been so much fun chatting with you and and thanks for coming on here and I'm sure we'll hang out at some point uh, together good, so thanks again good okay thank you so much the really great podcast is fueled by our well caffeinated friends at club coffee don't get too excited because there's no actual club to join. It's just a weird name. I don't know why they chose that name, but they did, and they're called Club Coffee. The good news is they make delicious compostable coffee pods. You can find it at retailers across Canada, like Loblaws, Amazon, and Costco. If you're not into coffee, sorry. Oh, and they're Canadian too, eh? 